Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 461. I've got a cruise coming up this week, but rather than me previewing it, which we could still do, but I'm actually going to be talking about some of the cool things, my top picks to do in any of these ports that we're visiting in case maybe your cruise is going there in the near future. Usually when I have a cruise coming up, I do a cruise preview of it. And, you know, I'm not against doing those kinds of things, but I wanted to mix it up a little bit. And actually, somebody in our YouTube channel recommended or asked me to do this, in fact. What are the top excursions, he said top three, that I would do in each of the ports we're visiting? And in this itinerary, we have a fairly poor intensive itinerary. We're going on Mariner of the Seas for an eight-night, I'm going to call it Eastern Caribbean itinerary. Yeah, it's Eastern Caribbean, a perfect day, according to Royal Caribbean. So I was right. Uh, We're going to Labadee, San Juan, St. Kitts, St. Croix. And Perfect Day at Coco Key. So I'm going to break down each of these ports and list some of the things that I would recommend doing either based on my own experience or certainly hearing from other folks out there. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that, again, maybe this provides a little better help for a lot of other people because these are pretty common ports, although uh, I think St. Croix is a pretty uncommon port. Nonetheless, I think it's cool to talk about these kinds of things. So I'm going to go, I think, in order. And we're going to start off with Labadee, of course, Royal Caribbean's private destination. Uh, for this one, we actually booked a cabana. Whenever I go to Labadee, I... I, I Pretty sure every single time we go, we get a cabana. Maybe not every every single time, but I, that's certainly my plan. You know, cabana prices at Labadee had, I can't promise this will be the future, had been reasonable compared to Coco Key. They'd always been a little more, uh, a little lower in price. But I remember when I first did my first cabana ever in Labadee. And at the time, I thought, you know, is it really worth it? Does it really make sense? And ever since I started having kids, it is so worth it. Because just having like a shady spot to go to, uh, a place to relax, a place where they get like a home base of operations, it really made a difference. Being able to get drinks delivered, the service you get with it truly sold me on it. And so we do that, like I said, pretty much every time. Now, if you've been looking at cabana prices for either Labadee or Kokuki, you've probably noticed the prices have gone up. And, and when I say go up, I mean they've gone up significantly, more so at Kokuki. But, you know, um, what we end up doing is we usually split the cabana with another family and you know even at a thousand dollars a cabana right let's let's assume at that price for just easy math purposes you know you split up with someone else five hundred dollars a family you you go for the duration of the day right so you're there from probably eight hours the cost per hour is really quite reasonable when you think about it and the fact that you can have uh, drinks delivered to your cabana it the the service that's that comes with it I really like and of course having some place to charge things, keep our stuff. I, I, For me, for my family, that is a very compelling option. So that's probably my number one thing if you're going to spend extra. And let me also preface by saying when it comes to Labadee or Coco Key, you really don't have to do anything. You know, I get this question a lot, you know, what's worth doing it? And I'm going to talk about some things that are worth, you know, I, I think certainly spending extra for. But, you know, if you're looking to, I don't want to say cut corners, but if you're looking to save some money on your cruise, certainly both Labadee and Coco Key are places you can absolutely walk off the ship do your own thing and never have to worry that, you know, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice by not booking anything there. There's ample space at the various beaches or in Coco Key's case, the pool as well, to be able to relax, get a chair, an umbrella that is included with your cruise fare. So don't feel compelled that you have to do this in, in Labadee or Coco Key. So I'll just put that out there as a, as a kind of a disclaimer, because I do think you can have an excellent day in either location without any paid extra. So let's, let's leave that there. All right. Number two. I'd probably say the Alpine Coaster. I tried the Alpine Coaster for the very first time when I went to Labadee last time, which was on Wonder of the Seas during her inaugural sailing. And it was, 
uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was. I, I freely admit I've lost. Uh, I haven't lost that love and feeling, but I have lost that thrilling feeling. I rode the brakes down more than I care to admit. For others, were like, "Oh no, I got down the whole way without brakes." If you're going down with, without any brakes and you're serious about it, you're not just trying to pump yourself up here. Uh, I tip my hat to you because I just have the fear of God in me that I am going to fly off the side of that thing. It's not even so much that I don't think I'm going to plummet to my death, but if you if that car comes off the track. It's nothing but rocks around you. There is no soft landing. There's no grassy knoll next to it. It's just sheer rock face cliffs. No, thank you. I just, I sleep better at night knowing that I, I did that. Anyway, uh, but I think the Alpine Coaster is pretty cool to do. There are two options with the Alpine Coaster. It is either a one ride or an unlimited day pass. I For the money, you're probably just better off getting a limited day pass because if you ride it like two or three times, you've pretty much got your money's worth out of it. It's a really cool thing to do. You know, it's a bit of a hike to get there. That's probably the only issue with the all-day pass is, you know, <laughs> knowing me at least, you know, I, I get to the island, I got all this energy, you're in the water, you're having a drink or two, naps are inevitable, to muster the energy to get back out there is a bit much, but it is a really cool thing, and I assume that obviously if you got kids or somebody who just enjoys that kind of stuff, you know, uh, more of an exhilarating thing, that would be a really compelling option to do. So that would be my number two option to check out there. Uh, number three, and this one's a tough one. The zip line is pretty cool. I like the zip line. Uh, simply, I'm going to put the zip line as my number three. You know, there's other excursions you can do in, in Labadee. I'm just not like, I, ultimately I just feel like, like the water park, the water slide. Eh, I, I don't think it's really compel as compelling. I think the zip line is certainly worth doing at least once. It is a long zip line. I remember doing the zip line for the very first time and we got up to the top and, when it was getting to be my, I was legit scared. Like, I mean, not like, you know, I wasn't crying or anything like that, but I mean, I really had a second thought about it. Certainly once I went, I enjoyed it, but you know, it is, it's high up there on that mountain and it's a nice long zip ride down. So uh, I think if you're going to try something, that probably be my number three choice for Labadee. So then we got Labadee. Let's move on to San Juan, Puerto Rico, which I absolutely love. San Juan is a place where you really don't need an excursion per se, as in you don't need to go to Royal Caribbean or through through a party and books. If you certainly could, and I give an honorable mention to the bioluminescent Bay, if it's an option for you, I feel like it's never available probably because of the time of the year. It's only available at night. So you got to be there pretty late, but if it's ever an option for you, you should definitely do that one. That one, I believe you can book through Royal Caribbean, if not on your own, the issue is the distance to drive there, see it. It's gotta be dark and you gotta come back anyway. Um, if that's an option there, I'll put that as an honorable mention. But number one is simply just walking off the ship on your own. So this is a DIY excursion. San Juan, I believe, I can't think of another port that is easier to explore than old San Juan. Your ship docks right in San Juan. You walk off the ship, you're there. There's no, like, buses or walking trails. I mean, you're there. And the great thing about old San Juan, people always say, well, what if I get lost, man? What if I don't know where I'm going? If you get totally lost, if you get turned around, you have no idea where you are, San Juan is built on a hill. And the cruise ship is at the bottom of the hill. So if you just walk downhill, you will literally run into the cruise ship again. It's very easy to navigate. It's part of the United States. So, you know, almost everybody, not everybody, but most everybody speaks English there. You know, it's your, your cell phone works. It's, it's, it's a very easily manageable place. And old San Juan is really just a, it, it's a tourist town, right? As opposed to like new San Juan, which would require a, ta a taxi ride of some kind to get you out of there. But um, it's really easy. So I like just walking around and exploring. I think if you're going to San Juan, you've got to visit one or if not both of the old Spanish forts there. You've got El Moro. El Moro is the more famous one. It's the one that you see when you come into Harbor. It's the one on the 
it's, it's right on the water. I mean, they're both on the water, but they're but El Moro is the prominent one that you've probably seen lots of photos of. That one is the one. If you're going to do one, that's the one to go to. And what's nice is uh, it's a U.S. state park, so if you have like some senior citizens get free admission into them, or maybe your kids, I believe in like fourth grade, you get a free pass. I don't know. If you got a park pass to the national parks, then you're you're good over there. And even if you do buy entry, last I checked, it was eight bucks a person. That may have changed, but regardless, entry into one of the forts gets you entry into the other fort on the same day. So you could pay for admission in El Moro and then walk quickly over to San Cristobal. Both of them are very easily walkable. Uh, you know, it, honestly, in my opinion, you've seen one Spanish fort, you've seen them all. I mean, they're very similar. It's different viewpoints, so there's that. But I mean, if you were, you know, hard pressed for time or you want to do a lot of things in, in San Juan, do El Moro and, and you're good to go. But you certainly could see both. And there's a compelling reason for them. The nice thing about El Moro is you've got the history component to it. So that's kind of fun that you've got, you know, the the historical significance of these forts. You can see how life was for the Spanish soldiers who who live there because they were not only they literally live there in addition to defending you know what they were doing um, and and there's some cool battles that happen there it, it's it's really neat to see and then on the other hand from the kids standpoint you know good luck hammering to your kids hey this is significant pay attention that's like the telltale I'm gonna zone out now dad it's just a cool place to explore like there's a lot of stairs a lot of paths. And my kids just like like walking around and kind of seeing where the next path takes you. And they really enjoy that aspect to it. So I think there's a very compelling option there. So the forts, so exploring San Juan, probably number one. The forts are going to be number two. Going to be the honorable mention to the um, to the uh, um, Bioluminescent Bay. Number three, if you're saying, Matt, it's really hot in San Juan, which, by the way, in July, which I'll be there for, it is like a bazillion degrees. So it will be. Uh, very, very hot there. If you're in San Juan and it's just overly hot or you're just not into walking that much or whatever the, the case may be, I'm going to recommend another place, which is to go to uh, a, a an all-inclusive resort. And I've been to one uh, previously. This is uh, before the pandemic, but not too long ago, so I feel like it's not too, too bad. There's the Marriott Resort and Stellaris Casino Resort. You get a day pass over there. This will require a taxi ride over. What's nice about this place is your day pass includes, not quite all-inclusive, but it's mostly the resort access. There's the beach. There's a pool. There's a fairly decent water slide over there. So you get the beach pool and water pool access, uh, chairs. You also get like a $20 food and beverage credit per adult, which, you know, covers like one item because, you know, it's a Marriott. You're not, you're, you're paying top dollar for these kinds of things there. But we really liked it. It was kind of neat. And uh, the the Stellaris Resort is in an area called Condado Beach. And this is, if you're looking at a map, it's on the north side of the island. Again, the taxi ride away. I mean, maybe you could walk there, but I wouldn't recommend it. And it is, um, it's a very short taxi ride away. And there's a lot of different beaches that are over there, a lot of different resorts. But I know that the Marriott Resort in Stellaris uh, offers it. When I did it, I booked it through resortforaday.com. I don't see it offered anymore from Resort for a Day. So to be perfectly honest with you, there may not be an option anymore to do this. So I'll just expand this to say, take find some sort of resort that will allow you to get a day pass to go enjoy some, some time at Condado Beach because it is a really nice beach there. And Puerto Rico is known for its wonderful beaches. The nice thing, the reason why I like going into downtown San Juan more than anything else is just simply because in San Juan... I mean, let me back this up. In and usually when you're doing Caribbean itineraries, it is beach day, beach day, beach day, beach day. So to have a break from it is not a terrible idea. And so for that reason, I like going to San Juan and doing more of a exploring option, if that makes sense. So 
There you go. Three things to do in San Juan. St. Kitts uh, is another island that I've been to less than others, but I started doing more and more things here that kind of stand out and you know get, get some good choices here. I would say number one, again, something different because again, a lot of beach days and you could do a beach day on every single one of these places. So please don't say, take this as a, as a, an, oh, Matt doesn't recommend doing a beach in St. Kitts. Far from it. There's beautiful beaches in St. Kitts. But what I like about St. Kitts is first and foremost, there is a train tour, which is really cool. So you don't really find trains in general in the, uh, in, in the Caribbean. I mean, they just don't either. They, they've, they've been destroyed, removed, whatever. But St. Kitts still has a rail tour that you can do. The, the railway was originally set up like I'm pretty sure every railway in the Caribbean was at one point for, you know, sugar plantations and not getting it from point A to point B. And in St. Kitts, you can board a train and uh, you can view the countryside. It takes you. Uh, it's a one-way tour, so a bus will either take you to the train or back from the train. And you get to uh, see a lot of the countryside from the comfort of a train. It's really nice. There were some drinks involved there uh, for the adults. So I really liked it. You know, it, it's just long enough to be interesting, but not too long that you're like, when is this thing over? Um, the, if there's a downside to it, I would just simply say you're going through the countryside. You're not seeing a lot of how people live, that kind of thing. But you will pass through, you know, areas, little towns and villages and whatnot. But it's a really cool thing. And I like that quite a bit. I think number two, if you're going to St. Kitts, it's definitely a great place to snorkel catamaran. Just do something on a catamaran, whatever you're doing, um, whether there's catamarans that go to, to Nevis that go just out to snorkel somewhere. The water is really nice, as like this may not come as a shock to you that that the Caribbean water is nice, but St. Kitts is a great one for snorkeling, just being out in the water. So if you're not going to do the train tour or you've done the train tour or there's also a bus tour, there's some similar things, then I definitely recommend doing a catamaran. I think that's like probably a really good choice to do that in because the water is just so pretty over there. And usually most of the catamarans involve going to a beach somewhere to be able to enjoy it. Or if you're doing snorkeling, obviously they'll just go off to the coast and and enjoy that. But I got to tell you that it's a really, really fun um, experience to do that. And and something that actually on this cruise that we're doing, we're actually doing uh, a catamaran tour. Actually, we've rented out a catamaran tour for everyone that's in the uh, group as part of the Royal Green Blog group cruise. So we usually do, not all the time, but we usually try to get like something special going on, right? And in this case, we have an excursion where it's through Royal Caribbean, but we've booked up the excursion to be able to... Uh, to be able to, uh, what's the word? Take advantage of that and kind of give give back to everyone who booked into the group. And, been, and honestly, we could be going and watching the grass grow somewhere. If it's with the group, it's a lot more fun. So definitely something to check out. And then lastly, number three, I mentioned Nevis, and that is worth mentioning that if you're in St. Kitts, you are close enough to be able to get to Nevis. And Nevis has its own set of history. It's a place where Hamilton, um, Alexander Hamilton, was born, and there's other significance beyond that. But if that's of interest to you, you might consider doing a trip over to Nevis. Again, there are Royal Caribbean Shore excursions that take you there. Like many excursions that go to another island, it's limited. You're not going to be there all day, but it is a cool way to do it. And I would recommend doing something like that because it's just, it's fun to do. You know, it's just neat to have something a little bit different to be able to enjoy. Now, St. Croix is our next stop. And boy, I'll admit, I got no idea what to do here. I mean, I remember we went in 2013, which was the last time I was in St. Croix. We got a day pass to a place called the Sand Castle Beach Resort, which is about five minutes away. And actually, it's still there, and it's still the only place I could find that has a day pass offered. Uh, basically, you pay a nominal fee for access to the beach. It's not all-inclusive, but it's like basically access to this beach resort. There's no beach toys or anything else to report for the kids, but there's sand, there's water, and there's a pool. And 
you know, for again, <laughs> when we're talking about these Virgin Islands, you're talking about probably a beach day here, and this is definitely one of them. So uh, I, I definitely like like doing that. I'm not sure what we're going to do this time around because our hours there are really odd. We're there at like 7 a.m. to like 1 or something like that, which is anytime you're in a – this is a pet peeve of mine. There's no reason for any Caribbean port to arrive before 9 a.m. because nothing's open. It, it doesn't matter. Like being the out, 7 to 9, nothing is open in any of these ports. And then from 9 to 10, you start getting some things opening up. But anyway, I digress. So I'm not sure what we're going to end up doing, but if you have more time – I would recommend maybe the Sandcastle Beach Resort. That wouldn't be a bad idea to do because you've got, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of day pass kind of places. Theoretically, it should be a little less crowded than a, than a common beach, but, you know, you never know. Of course, there are plenty of beaches. There's a Buck Island Snorkeling in St. Croix. There's also a fort, and you don't need to book a tour for this one. When you walk off the ship, off the pier, it's to your left, and you can easily see it and walk there. Uh, Frederickstad, which is the name of the capital there, there's a there's a... A fort and some a little small shopping areas, I recall. So maybe this is more of like an old San Juan situation where you just walk off the ship, explore a little bit, you know, buy some souvenirs, stop for a drink at a bar, and head back to the ship. Um, so you know, this one, I'll honestly, I'm going to open this up to the to the listeners here. If anyone's been to Saint Croix and has a really great recommendation for a shore excursion, what to do in Saint Croix, whether it is through Royal Caribbean or not, uh, I would love to hear about it because I'm. Like I said, the best I've got is that Sandcastle place. I haven't been there in since almost 10 years. So for all I know, I'm sure it's fine. But, you know, it's always good to have a better recommendation for what to do in St. Croix. And lastly, that leads us with uh, Royal Caribbean's other private destination, uh, Perfect Day at Coco Key. And, boy, coming up with three. Again, as I said before, you don't need to, do, you don't need to purchase anything to have a great day here. You know, Chill Island, South Beach, Harbor Beach, great places. You don't need any, any cost here. Number one, I'm still a big fan of the of the cabanas. The prices have gone ridiculous. It's going to be hard for me to justify some of these prices, um, even if you're splitting it. Like the Cocoa Beach Club cabanas, I mean, some of them on some cruises now, they're like $3,500. Yes, you heard me right, $3,500. I mean, that's more than a cruise in, in many, many situations. I don't know how I can justify that. Um, I understand they're, they're basically responding, by the way, to supply and demand. This isn't so much Royal Caribbean doing a money grab as it is so much as that there's been such strong demand for it that clearly people are going to pay for it. And I bet you people will still pay that money for it because there's some people who just say, I'm on vacation, YOLO book it, this is it. And I've certainly had that mindset before, but maybe not that cost. But the cabanas that are outside the beach club, you know, Oasis Lagoon, through Water Park, Chill Island, South Beach, they're a little less expensive. And so you can make an argument there, but I do like cabanas. I will not, cost notwithstanding. I will say that that's really a, a top pick. Number two is access to the Cocoa Beach Club. You can buy day passes at the Beach Club. And, um, you know, I used to say on here that if it was the price was under $100 a person, it was a slam dunk. Otherwise, don't do it. I take that back now because, number one, you're never almost never going to get that price anyway. So it's like me saying, like, you know, you shouldn't fill up your car unless the gas is $0.99 because when I was a kid, it was $0.99. Cents. Like, <laughs> it has no bearing anymore in this world. So let's just leave that as it is. That, uh, you know, if you can get act, if you've never been to the beach club, the Cocoa Beach Club, I do think it's worth at least trying at least once. Um, whether you have kids or not, totally fine. The restaurant that's there is worth the price of admission alone. I mean, I, I think you can have a great time anywhere on the island. So it's not so much about the exclusivity of it, like, you know, that your beach and your pool are a little less crowded. But I don't that doesn't factor as much for me 
as it is the service you get there because there's just a lot more crew members working in the bars right nearby. But number two, and more importantly, it's that restaurant. The food is amazing. It is the best steak anywhere in Royal Caribbean. I stand by that. So uh, that'd be uh, definitely in my number two is the Cocoa Beach Club. Number three, you know, I'm probably going to put the Thrill Water Park. I've been there so many times, and I'm glad to say that. Uh, I absolutely love it. You know, the wave pool alone is really what draws me back. You know, once you've never been before, you're going to do the water slides. The water slides are great. I love them, but I just like the wave pool. I love hanging out in the wave pool. It's a, it's it, it just it's something that just um, holds my attention more, and certainly it's a great family activity. So I really like the Thrill Water Park. I think it is worthwhile. Again, cost it's not going to be cheap, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, certainly. If you're looking at all of those slides, they are cool to do, right? So if you're looking for something extra that I think I would recommend worth doing, that is definitely it. Um, Thrill Water Park is, is great. The slides are wonderful. My recommendation, if you get the Water Park Pass, make sure you are like the first person off that ship. You want to be off the ship as early as you can, so that way you can get into the Water Park in that first hour. The first hour, the lines are nearly non-existent. Once you get to about 10 a.m. or so, everyone else has gotten off the ship, and you're going to start seeing lines, especially for... The the major slides, the family raft slide, the Daredevil's Peak, and uh, maybe another slide or two. You know, the lines get a little longer. So what you want to do for your strategy is get off the ship as early as you can. Do the major slides first. So do I would do the rafts, the family raft slide first. I would do Daredevil's Peak. I do the other tube slide on the family tower, and then after that, it's all gravy. You maybe re-ride a couple times. Who knows? And then when you start seeing the lines getting a little long, and you're saying, well, I don't really don't want to wait in a line anymore. Then go to the do the other stuff. Go either do the little smaller slides, go to the wave pool, take your kids to the adventure pool, spend some time kind of chilling out, take a nap now. And then in the afternoon, once you get to about 2, 3 o'clock, the lines really start open, uh, dying down because people are going back to the ship and take advantage of that last hour or two that the park is open. So there's your strategy there for the water park. Overall, you know, I, this itinerary I think is great. It's part of, part of the reason why I picked this itinerary. Number one, anytime you get a cruise that visits both Perfect Day at Kokoki and Labadee, Yes, please. That is a slam dunk. Great decision in there. And and I love San Juan. So, you know, it, it's going to be a really fun, albeit hot, <laughs> cruise. And if you're wondering, well, why, this sounds like a great time, a real coming block group cruise. I wasn't, I didn't realize Matt, you did them or I never thought about doing them or whatever the, your excuses. Uh, we actually have a couple more coming up. If you're interested in joining us, we actually have, uh, usually we have two group cruises a year. This will be our first one for 2022. Our next Royal Caribbean blog group cruise is on Wonder of the Seas. December 18th to the 24th. So you're back home before Christmas. And that's a Western Caribbean one. December 18th. Uh, in 2023, we have one so far announced. That's Navigator of the Seas, June 16th, 2023, out of Los Angeles. That's a seven-night cruise. And then we also have one for 2024 on uh, Rhapsody of the Seas, Panama Canal, seven nights, March 16th, 2024. It's actually sailing from Panama. So you fly to Panama, get on the ship, and you go through the, it's a really cool itinerary. You got to check it out. So we'll announce another uh, group cruise for both 23 and 24 in the future. But for right now, that's where it is. More information about all of our group cruises at realcaribbeanblog.com slash events. 
Okay, friends, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer as many Royal Korean blog questions that you've sent in here to be answered on the podcast. Starting with an email from Jeanette Roth. Good morning, Matt. I was listening to episode 456 this morning about your upcoming cruise to Alaska, and I was particularly interested in what you shared about in the end about making the decision to be more mindful of COVID issues. I wanted to write and share our recent experience and hope it serves as some encouragement for you. My family returned from a back-to-back out of Southampton, England. This is our first, The first week was the Norwegian Fjord. The second week was France and Spain. Since we're going to be going all the way for the cruises, we decided to add some time to the beginning of the trip, and we spent a few days in New York City and almost a week in London before the sailing. Our son has asthma that is exacerbated by viruses, so we're being careful about the whole pandemic, and we certainly didn't want to get COVID in any way on the trip that we've been waiting for for two years. If we caught COVID in London, we wouldn't be able to get on the first cruise. If we caught it on the first cruise, we wouldn't be able to continue on the second. And if we caught the second cruise, we wouldn't be able to return to the U.S. We made the same decision you made. We masked the public spaces, opted to not send our boys to Adventure Ocean, and we tried it the second week, and they ended up not staying long during any session. Anyway, the children were all in Explorer's Room. I suppose they didn't have enough kids to separate them out into different age groups. We opted to eat most of our meals outside or in our cabin, and we were able to see some shows, but decided not to go to the ones that were standing room only. We masked in our excursions if we were inside like a bus or a building when it was crowded. I'm so glad we made this decision. While masking and trying to maintain distance did mean that we didn't get to enjoy the ship the same way we normally do, we kept reminding ourselves that we were here for the destinations and not the ship this time. At the end of our week, a lot of people had contracted COVID. I was in a Facebook group with about 400 members, and it seemed like about 60 of them had tested positive one or two days after the cruise. There were also some people doing it back-to-back, spent their second week, not in France and Spain, but in quarantine on deck three. It's not a great way to spend your cruise. There are plenty of Americans from both sailings who were stranded in England for an additional 10 days after testing positive. We saw very few people other than our family and our staff who were wearing masks. But we don't regret our decision. We made the most amazing two weeks of our lives. We enjoyed the culture, experiences, and nature in a special way, and that made every minute of masking or eating outside worth it for us. We had peace of mind knowing we did everything we could to make the most of our vacation and not lose out on the special opportunity we had. Thanks for all the work you do to help us have better vacations. You are appreciated. Jeanette, thank you so much for the email. I really appreciate that. Obviously, as you know, (laughs) I did exactly the same thing you did, but it didn't work out in my favor. And it was just weird because it only, I only got sick. My wife and kids didn't get sick. And I, yeah, I can't explain it, but, um, but listen, at the end of the day, Jeanette, I had the same mentality there. And if I'm flying somewhere, if the destination is really important like that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And you know, it's everyone's decision to do what they want to do. And, uh, you know, you did yours and there you go. So fantastic. Thank you for the email. Next is an email from Carolyn from Frisco, Texas. Wondering if you knew if the main dining room menus are different on Alaska itineraries or if they're typically the same fleet wide. Carolyn, yeah, thanks for the email. Yeah, they're the same no matter what. doesn't matter where your itinerary is. The dining room menu does not change. Some people wonder, you know, do they source local food? Can you get, like, you know, salmon because you're in Alaska? It doesn't work that way. The cruise ships uh, get all their supplies at the beginning of the cruise. That includes food. And that's pretty much it. They don't really venture off the, especially for dinner, the the, the set dining uh, rotation there for the main dining room. So I don't know if that'll factor into your decision at all. But the answer is the dining room menus will be the same, whether you're on in Alaska or doing my cruise in the Caribbean as, as well. Scott Milo from Vieira, Florida has our next question for us. I've recently been listening to your podcast on Royal Caribbean because I have a cruise coming out of Port Canaveral. I haven't sailed on Royal Caribbean for many years, sailing mostly a Holland American celebrity, but I live close to Port Canaveral, so we're going to give it a try. During a podcast, I heard you speak about where ships are flagged and registered. You specifically mentioned Norwegian Pride of America out of Hawaii. I sailed on that cruise about eight years ago, and I could not agree with you more. The cruise deserves all the criticism it receives. While the ship was small and didn't have many of the amenities that cruisers enjoy these days, the worst part of the voyage was the service and the American crew. And I was horribly disappointed with the part of the cruise, and I would never recommend that cruise to anybody. Without a doubt, the worst 
cruise experience I've ever had. So much so that I have not returned to Norwegian. Hope your Alaska cruise is magical. Scott, thanks for the email, buddy. Uh, your review of, I'm not here to slam on Norwegian or anything like that, but Scott, your review of the uh, Pride of America, which is Norway. It's the only major cruise ship from any of the major lines to be US flagged. It sails only in Hawaii. Um, your review is exactly what everyone who's ever gone on it pretty much says. It's a terrible ship. Not a terrible ship, but it just doesn't hold up. Like it's Hawaii is wonderful and amazing, but yeah, there's some other issues there. Next, we have an email from Christy. Thanks for all the great content. I love the blog, podcast, and YouTube videos. As we prepare for our honeymoon cruise on Symphony of the Seas, I had a few questions. Number one, I know there are dairy and gluten-free options on the ship, but I was curious if you knew if Sorrento's has dairy-free cheese. I don't know if they have dairy-free cheese. They definitely have gluten-free crust. I know that for a fact, but I can't promise you if they have dairy-free cheese. Dairy-free cheese, so I apologize. Number two, we're going to a kayak snorkel excursion, and I'd love to take underwater photos. Any recommendations? This is, a, this is a good question, actually. The problem with uh, buying an underwater camera, which is what usually most people say, is the quality, at least last time I checked, this could have all changed, but the uh, the quality of underwater cameras is not great. For some reason, once you make it waterproof, it's kind of like meh. Um, you know, since you're doing like, you're a one-time thing, Christy, you're probably not going to like, you're not a snorkeler, you're not a diver, you're not doing this all the time. Uh, one option is you could get a watertight uh, case for your phone. Um, you, these, usually these look like, like glorified Ziploc bags. They work a lot better than that. You put your phone in there and then you just, you know, the, the, the photo quality will be a little subject to how close the plastic is to your phone. Uh, but it generally works pretty well. It's a lot cheaper than buying an underwater camera. So that's basically your two choices. You're either buying a new underwater camera, which they're expensive and the quality is not as good as certainly any kind of point and shoot that's out there. That's going to be better quality, but Hey, the great thing about that is it is point and shoot. You just, you know, you have to probably have a strap to your wrist and you just you know, boop, take the photo and go. That could be fine as well. If you're looking for a cheaper option, especially if you're doing snorkeling, you're up by the, I might probably say if it's like a one-time thing, just get the, 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 the waterproof case. It's a baggy. I don't know how, what you, it's on Amazon. There's a bazillion of them. Waterproof iPhone case or, you know, something like that. And you'll find a ton that, that do that. Or, you know, if you have a Samsung, whatever. Um, that's what I would do. Cause it's just, it doesn't seem like, unless you're going to do a lot of water-based photography, I just don't think the, the ROI is there for you to go for under, for a waterproof camera. So thank you for the email. Next up is, uh, our next email is from Tim. Hi, Matt. Love your podcast. If you don't have time to reply to this, I understand, but I still love your podcast. 19 days on my next cruise. Well, uh, I am happy to answer this email. I'm pretty sure you're back from your cruise already. I'm booked for Liberty of the Seas, and I booked it over a year ago when they were still doing double crown and anchor points. The cruise is worth 28 points. will put us at Diamond. I'm also a Royal Caribbean stockholder and qualify for the $100 onboard credit. My question is, if I apply the onboard credit because of the stock, could they take away the double points? Uh, no, the only reason you would lose double points, Tim, is if your reservation number changed, like you rebooked under you know something else. Um, putting a new offer should not change your reservation. As long as that doesn't change... You're good to go. And I can't imagine that adding a uh, the stockholder benefit would do so. Um, again, you might want to, if you call Royal Caribbean or what have you, just double check on that. But as long as the reservation number doesn't change, I I, I think you'll be okay on that one. So uh, double check on that before you apply it. But hopefully that will make sense. Next up, we have an email from Rob. Love the podcast. We're thinking of doing a cruise, which would be sailing over Christmas. We're Jewish, so we're a little concerned it'll be over the top and annoying for our kids. But wondering if you've had any Christmas on the high seas experience to share. Yeah, we did our, our first Christmas cruise this past Christmas. We were on Navigator of the Seas. I don't think it's annoying or over the top, Rob. I mean, 
you live in the U.S., right? I mean, you're probably it's no worse than anything else. Um, there are Christmas events and there's Christmas decorations on board. I don't think it's over the top. Um, the events are all relegated to actual Christmas Day. Uh, I think you can certainly steer your way clear of most of them. I mean, it's not like you're going to be walking out of your room and people are going to be putting... <laughs> there aren't going to be carolers outside of your room. and There's not going to be... Santa Claus is going to hunt you down in the, in the hallway either. Um, you can certainly steer your way clear of, of most of that stuff there. Otherwise, I'd say, Rob, it's pretty much par for the course anywhere else in the U.S. There's going to be Christmas music. There's going to be decorations. You're going to find that in any store anywhere else there. So I would say... Let me put this... I don't know if this has any holds any water with you, Rob. If you've ever been to Walt Disney World during Christmas, it's far less annoying than Disney World, which has, like, way over the top. Um, Royal Caribbean doesn't go quite that far with their decorations and, and whatnot. So, um, I did not find it to be that bad. Um, maybe I just have a higher tolerance than you do for it, but I would say go for it. Uh, it's, it's a great time of year to go. And, uh, and, and, you know, the nice thing is is you don't have to you know, go to any of those events or do anything like that. So, yeah, I say go for it, dude. And uh, our final email today is from Steve, who writes, Hi, Matt. I'm considering booking Alaska next year for me and my wife, two kids, and my dad. We're planning on getting two rooms. My wife will be in, I will be Diamond. This is my dad's first cruise. If I book both rooms with me and my wife in one room, my dad and two kids in the other one, will he also get Diamond status? No. My other option would be to book my wife and kids in one room and my dad in the second room. At that point, I believe it would be all be diamond status. Thanks for all you do with the cruise community. No, I mean, he's not diamond. I mean, you're going to still get your diamond perks and whatnot. But I mean, he's not going to get into the diamond lounge as an example. So we'll just put that in there. I mean, certainly, listen, they put bottles of water in your room. You know, and your dad can take it, right? I mean, no one's going to chase that down. But he's not diamond status there. But simply sharing a cabin with a non-diamond does not elevate their status to your status. So if they have the same address as you, then that would be the case, but they don't they they don't become diamond because they're sharing the room with you. So yeah, I mean best it would have helped you with would have been this would have been pre-COVID where they had like special boarding lines for diamond guests, right? Then they could come in with you because you're on the same reservation. But um as it pertains to the actual status and the benefits and the access to the diamond lounge, nope. So sorry to be the very bad news, Steve. Thanks for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your email so I can crush your dreams like I did to Steve's, uh, feel free to send me an email, matt at royalcreamingblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamingblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.